Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 68 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Bethany, and today my special guest is my very first Patreon guest who joined the Patreon like 25 seconds after I posted it. So I'm really excited to have Lena here today. Hi. Hi. So the first thing I like to ask people is how they found Marissa Meyer and her books and what your favorite book by her is. Okay, so I found her um, back in middle school. I had just gotten out of the phase of like when I was younger, like in elementary school, I used to read a lot, but like I never considered myself a reader because it was all for like this log thing that we had to do. And so I remember just having this memory of going, man, I'm never reading another book again because <laughs> like I heard, oh, middle school, you don't have to do a reading log. Um, but then I got into middle school and all of my friends just really liked books. And I was like, I mean, I guess like I they're fine. <laughs> um, so I went to the library and I just found uh, Cinder and I really I really like fairy tales and Disney and all of that stuff. So it sounded perfect. I read it. I loved it. And then I ended up because that was in between Crest. So Crest had just come out. So I finished Cinder, read Scarlet and then waited on like Fairest in Winter. And like I've loved all of her writing. So that's wonderful. Um, and then, yeah. Um, and then my favorite is probably Cress because it's, I love Cress as a character and I love all of them coming together. And I feel like it was just really well thought out and really well told. And I love the, like, I love that it's over 500 pages. <laughs> I love Cress too. I think Cress is probably my favorite book just because there's so much that happens. It kind of feels like every single chapter is its own cliffhanger. Oh my gosh, yes. Her cl- Every chapter ending is like an inspiration to me for when I write because <laughs> I love things on cliffhangers. Yeah, too. it's how you keep people engaged. It's how they keep turning the page and saying one more chapter, one oh. more chapter. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite character? Mm, I, I want to say it's Cress. Uh because she's so sweet and like small and like she's good with computers and she I just love Cress. Um but that I also like so I guess I'll say she's my favorite character overall, but I really like I also like Lavana. Uh because she's just I don't know. Like I just have a fascination with her because my mind's like I love her so much, but like also she's an evil character, so how can you I don't know. But yeah. I think Lavana is just such a well-written villain that you love to hate her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what are you currently reading at the moment? Oh, so I have a couple books started, but like reading, reading is Peter Pan right now uh, because I did not. Uh, well, it stems back to Taylor Swift because folklore was released <laughs> and she mentions Wendy. Um, 
in her song. And so I decided to rewatch the Disney movie. And then they were like, oh, it's like based on a book. I was like, how have I not, how have I never seen this before? So now I have the book and I've been like reading through it and it's surprisingly close to the movie so far. So it's really good. Yeah. Some books and movies are so far off. (laughs) They're Mm -hmm. so far away from each other. Yeah. Like I, I went to watch, I just finished reading Midnight Sun. And so my Mm -hmm. 16 year old self wanted to read Twilight again. And I was like, I do not have time for those (laughs) books. So I popped Mm -hmm. in their first movie and I was like, you know, they actually included most of the scenes from the books. They didn't actually change a lot except like the tone of the film and the portrayal of the characters is so off. Oh, like they actually kept Um. the scene structure somewhat similar to the book. But the portrayal of the characters, I think, is just like way off from how I pictured them in the books. Okay, is it like, so do you like the way it's portrayed? And like, you kind of, you're able to separate the movies from the books and you like both? Or is it like, uh, you'd prefer the book? I prefer the book. I think they could have done better with the movies. I don't necessarily think the actors did a good job of, and it might have been like the directors told them to behave a certain way, but I don't think they Mm -hmm. did a good job of representing the characters. Um, Yeah, I know my sister, she really likes both. Uh, she she did not read books. Literally, the last book she read was Twilight, <laughs> and she like I had found them for like fifty cents at the library, like at a, like a book sale, and so I got them all for her, and she read through them in like a month, like all of those books, and I was like, oh my gosh. Anyways, but yeah, she really likes the movies and the books. I like her book, The Host, a lot. I think The Host is great, and I did not see the movie version of it, so I suppose I should get to that at some point but my sister Lindsay is very much the same way the only book series she ever read was Twilight and then I tried to get her to read like a million different books and she was never into them and then I started this podcast and she listens to every episode of the podcast because I'm your sister and I was like but you still need to read the books so she she finally listened to all the books on audio so she's finally uh caught up thankfully and I'm, and she's gonna start heartless soon which i'm really excited about i love Heartless. i have to go back and reread that actually i have a feeling heartless is going to be very complicated when we get to that on the podcast <laughs> yeah that's gonna be oh that's gonna be so fun though uh i can't wait till you get to all of the oh, books. it's gonna be so far from now i i think when i did the math we weren't gonna finish the lunar chronicles until like 2023 because I'm also going to do Stars Above and the two graphic novels. Oh my gosh, I love the graphic novels. They're so cute. They are so cute. And you get to see them. But, uh, um, and I love Aiko or Iko. I love getting to see her and I love her personality. So Yeah, and I'm really excited for us to get to those eventually because being spoiler free is very difficult sometimes. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I can honestly I only imagine. Uh um no but I keep forgetting how long winter is like winter has so many things that go on in that book but I just remember like getting it and reading it and like I think it took me two weeks but I just remember getting like rushing through it it's so good I think winter has five parts oh yeah each book is split up into like book one book two book three book four and I think winter actually has five parts so it's really long Mm -hmm. 
And I think when I did the math, winter was going to take 18 months just doing winter. Gosh. And then plus everything is so like, so interconnected that the the episodes have ba- are bound to be longer because you just have to talk about so much. Oh, for sure. Because I've had people before, they're like, why don't you do like 10 chapters per episode? And I'm like, dude, even just doing oh. like, even just doing one chapter per episode, sometimes we'll be talking for like an hour and a half. I can't imagine. No, I mean, I guess I could go into not as much detail, but I like the details. That's where it's fun. The details why you have a podcast. <laughs> exactly. More content for the future. Once everybody gets five years from now, people will be excited about how many episodes there are. <laughs> yeah. Five years when I'm still covering Marissa Meyer books because she promised me I'm not going to run out of content. Oh, my gosh. I love that. <laughs> uh, I honestly, I can't imagine her ever retiring. Like, she's got all of her, she's got like so many books planned out that she's like posting on her story. I'm like, imagine being an author and then having people filter the pages (laughs) and trying to read them because and yeah when I saw that from Taylor I was just like oh my gosh that's that's dedication right there and also please post that yes and that's one of the greatest things about the Patreon chat is that we get to talk about just everything we want to (laughs) Mm -hmm. so today we're gonna talk about Fan Art Friday first I wonder if people are getting tired of me sharing Cosmic Nova Flair, but I swear she keeps producing art that I need. So that's why I keep sharing her. I promise I'm going to share other artists as well. But today I have two from her. This is from September 4th. And the first one is of Sybil. I've only ever gotten one other artwork of Sybil, I believe. So this is exciting because... It's a, another perspective of her, and it's just kind of a side profile, but I still think it's a good image of her. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my gosh, I love Sybil, and it's it's another, like, you love to hate her mm-hmm. because she's so, like, evil, and I love getting to see her, like, in an image, like, getting to see, you know, what other people think she looks like because I have a picture of her. Like, I saw um, on Pinterest, like, a fan cast of, like, Emily Blunt as her, Ooh. and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Oh, I love Emily Blunt as her. Yes, Emily Blunt can do anything. When Marissa and I did an episode together, she mentioned Rachel McAdams for Lavana, and I think the two of them would have great chemistry okay. together. Yes, I, I love it. I would love to see that. Yeah, that would make me really happy. And then this next one is just an inside look at Cress's satellite, which I love all the detail in again because... There's so much detail. We see like her mouse and her mm-hmm. keyboard and we see her control panels and her her window into outer space and she can see the earth. You see her picture of Thorn and all of her notes about Carswell Thorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like two long paragraphs on the first page and then the second page is just all Carswell Thorn information, which I love. There's like a little... Mm-hmm radar screen and then the other screen where it says message from mechanic that dangerous little bubble that popped up and ruined everything oh yeah i just love seeing like the technology you realize like seeing sketches of it it's just really cool like the keyboard and yeah i love seeing all that sort of come to life in that way because one of the greatest things about reading is that you can everybody has their own imagination and they get to share that with other people, but I cannot draw to save my life. So I like mm-hmm. getting to see what other people come up with and seeing if it's close to what I also had in mind. Mm-hmm. 
A big thank you to Cosmic Nova Flare for letting me share both of those. And you can check out more of her artwork on Instagram. Seriously, there's so much of it. <laughs> I'm going to share more in the future. Patreon members voted for Chapter 9. The title of Chapter 9 of Cress is Sit Still, Look Pretty by Daya, which I'm really excited about because I thought of that one at the last second. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's totally Yeah, my guests couldn't think of one. And I was like, well, I want there to be at least one other one to like vote for. And so I was scrolling through my phone. I was like, ooh, ooh, that would work because that's when like Cress is just sitting there, but it's actually a civil disguise. Okay, that'll work. That'll work. Mm -hmm. Hi, this is Leah Stuller, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. And now, back to the show. So that's it for housekeeping today. We're just going to cover Chapter 10 today. Mostly because the next few chapters are going to be very dense and overlapping. And chapter 10, while it might seem short, I feel like there's a lot going on and we have to pay attention to a lot of moving parts. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. even reading this, I've probably, this is probably the third or fourth time I've read this chapter. And even reading it while taking notes, I was like, wait a minute. I felt like I kept having to go back and double check everything that was going on because I just wasn't quite certain of all of it Mm -hmm. this chapter like all of these earlier chapters like the last chapter of this one are just so intense there's so it's just like it stressed me out just reading through it because I was like oh my gosh oh my gosh where are we what are we doing (laughs) I had so much anxiety reading this these chapters and normally I read like one I mentioned this a couple episodes ago that I did with Becca a lot of times what I do is I'll just read one chapter and take my notes And then I don't read again until it's time to record the next episode. But I could not stop reading. I couldn't do it. So I ended up reading. I finished Crest and I even finished Winter because I just couldn't stop. Even as reading it as many times as I have, I was like, I just really want to keep going. Mm -hmm. So last week we left off with Thorn and Crest falling out of orbit towards Earth. Sybil and Jusin were on their way to surprise the Rampion and its crew. We start chapter 10, and we're in Sender's perspective, and it picks up right where we left off, and I like that it starts with a joke to kind of emphasize how completely unaware they are of what's happening to Thorn and Crest. Like, they're just hanging out, joking around, getting ready for the new role to show up. They're, like, just blissfully unaware that anything traumatic is happening. The way Mars Meyer switches between points of view and just the ease at which she does it and then she's able to keep track of who knows what who like where each of our characters I just love that oh I would love to see her notes like I share my notes on the patreon but I would love to see her notes and how she keeps track of everything when she's writing oh yeah like in my notes I can't type everything out all the time so I I'll shorten people like c is is cinder and cr is cress and t is thorn and S is Scarlet, but SM is Sybil Mira and stuff like that. So, like, I wonder if there's a shorthand in her notes as well. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I want to get my hands on her notebooks. 
That'd be so awesome. That should be an auction giveaway that she does. I would totally sign up for that giveaway. Photocopies of her notebooks. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe like in what, 60, 60 years when she's done writing, <laughs> she can start releasing her notebooks. It could be like a memoir. Oh, yeah. That's my next request for Marissa. It's like 20 to 30 years from now, when you write your own memoir, I want you to share like scrapbook style versions of all of your notebooks for us. (laughs) So Cinder says that it's not that she doesn't trust the new girl. She doesn't trust who she works for, which those are pretty good instincts because Cress actually is trustworthy. And obviously Sybil and Lavana are not. Mm -hmm. Um. Oh, I did have a question. Yeah. So it says, so um, it says, uh, Scarlet says, that, like, the scanners aren't seeing it. So they aren't seeing the other shepherd, like, Sobel's ship. So I'm wondering, like, I understand that uh, Cress is the one who, so we know that. So is Cress, but Cress is constantly having to monitor all the cameras, right, and turn turn them away? Or is it, does she just have, like, a program that does that and she doesn't need to touch anything because I'm because I wasn't sure why it wouldn't show up on their scanner if Cress is like you know falling from the satellite so I think it's both I think when lunar ships escape and go to earth I think when that happens she kind of does like what she did with the Rampion where she caused like an interference so that they wouldn't be noticeable and I think with especially with this being Sybil's pod ship in particular, I think that with royal ships, there's probably like a pre-programmed cloaking device of some kind that prevents them from showing up on the scanners so that Crest doesn't always have to cover those ones. She's only covering the people that Lavana is letting escape so that they can bring the plague to Earth. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Got it. Yeah, and I might be wrong about that. So anyone who has theories, feel free to message me so I can discuss them. But that would be my best guess. I could reach out to Ashley and see what she thinks since her entire job is cybernetics. Um, she might have a better idea for us. But I that would be my best guess is that the royal ships and pot ships and stuff, those are already programmed with cloaking devices that they can use. And when it comes to random ships that she comes across while they're in space and out of orbit like the Rampion that's where she has to you know interfere with their coordinates like she did with the Rampion mm-hmm. yeah so I I just don't like I feel like I miss stuff a lot so I have to go back and like do a detailed read but like yeah so that just interests me how Cress is able to just keep up with all that. But I guess if you're alone in the satellite, there's nothing else to do. So Yeah, and she's naturally gifted with some of it. So I just looked it up on page 45. This is what Cress said. I've been jamming the radar signals, making sure surveillance satellites are faced the other way when you pass, that sort of thing. So it looks like she literally is just running interference on a constant basis to protect them from being noticed. Which is what she also made you when it comes to the lunar ships. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. See, and that's why it's hard to be spoiler-free, because I would love to speculate on that <laughs> more. Mm-hmm. But I just have to wait a little while. <laughs> so 
Scarlet says that she sees another ship, but there's no scanners that are picking up on it. But they can see that it's a lunar ship. It's a royal ship. They can see the insignia. So probably a thaumaturge. And Cinder has the same reaction Thorn did. She says, oh, she betrayed us. I don't believe it. Mm -hmm. Which I love Cress. I think she's a wonderful character. But these people don't know her. And they're very untrustworthy of lunars. Like before Mm -hmm. finding out she was a lunar, Cinder called them savages and barbarians. So it's interesting to me that they're even so quick to trust her at all. Like it just goes to show, I guess, her her mannerisms and her personality and, and how trustworthy she is of a person that even knowing that she could have betrayed them, both of them are still shocked that she when they think that she did. Oh, yeah. I just the cinder, the amount of times she's been hurt and been like uh, tricked and just. And yet she still keeps trying to, she still keeps putting herself out there. And it just, it hurts so much to like, to be on both sides. It hurts that she doesn't trust Cress, but also you, it hurts that it looks like, uh, I don't know how to explain. No, it, it definitely hurts. And, and I think that's what was so great about the last chapter when we have that moment of clarity, when Thorne sees Cress tied up and he's like, he's so relieved mm-hmm. that this girl he doesn't know didn't betray him. And I feel like that's Cinder too. Like she immediately, she is in disbelief that Crest could betray them because they really did trust her. And I'm, I'm as the reader, I'm glad we know that Crest didn't betray them. Um, but it, it's unfortunate that they don't know that. Mm-hmm. And Scarlet's first reaction is time to go. Mm-hmm. Like she says, we got, we have to leave. And Cinder is basically the only one that doesn't want to abandon Thorn because Wolf is like, no, seriously, we need to leave. They can figure out where the ship came from. We need to go. Aiko, I guess, is like, well, maybe he'll get away. Don't don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. I love Cinder's, uh, like, what is it? At kinship to Thorn or like, yeah, want to like save him because they've only known each other for like how long now? Like a week ish. Like, is it less than that? No, no, no. It's it's been longer than that because oh. at the beginning of this book, they've been on the Rampion for two weeks. So it's been, oh. I would say it's probably been three weeks since since she met Thorn. Still, three weeks with like, and I mean, I guess you have to be pretty close if you're both on the run. But still, that her wanting to stay behind to save him, even though it's going to cost her, her, it could cost her and like everybody around her like a problems I still I love that her sense of of loyalty and I think also maybe protectiveness Mm -hmm. that she doesn't want to abandon him she literally uses the word abandon and Cinder has felt abandoned by multiple situations in her life so of course she wouldn't want to do that to another person especially someone who is outside of Aiko and Peony perhaps her first friend or I guess Kai's a friend too but that's all kinds of complicated Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. But Thorna is like one of her first friends, like one of the first friends that she made, and especially as like a lunar cyborg runaway. So I think it's great that she has this, Mm -hmm. like you said, kinship with him. Mm -hmm. And I love that her mind never jumps to, well, if they have Thorn, it's possible he could, you know, 
give up information about her. Like her mind isn't suspicious in that way. And her mind isn't like, oh, well, we need to get him back for my safety. It's no, we need to get him back because he's like part of our crew. That's a great point. She never for one second thinks that he's going to wrap them out or give them up. <laughs> and I suppose that's the criminal code, right? You don't snitch. <laughs> but <laughs> but Thorne definitely could, especially if it were to save his own skin. So I think that's another testament to the relationship that the two of them have, that even knowing it's an option, it never occurs to her. Mm-hmm. So basically after that, they all start to panic and they try to figure out what to do. And I love that they they keep coming back to Cinder and she and they're just staring at her and she has the moment of like, oh wait, I'm in I'm supposed to be in charge. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I that sounds so stressful and that adds such a layer. Like even just the way this entire chapter is written, with it just feeling like everybody's screaming, What do we do? What do we do? And she's like, We need to slow down. I'm still processing that Thorn isn't here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, Yeah, and she does come to the conclusion of, all right, I guess we do have to run. But right when they're about to, the pod ship starts coming back. And here's where things get really dicey. Cinder says, calm him. And his response is, camera disabled, we're injured, open lock. Mm -hmm. Why is the camera disabled? (laughs) What happened to the camera? Great question. (laughs) Um, And also, I don't know, I feel like, I think you mentioned it, but like, there should have been more tests. There should have been like, hey, Thorne, tell me, like, tell me something. <laughs> they you know about me. Like, they need like, like a safe word. Yeah. Yeah. Something to like trigger so they can be like, okay, prove that you are who you yeah. are. All, all he would really have to do is say like, captain is king. And they'd be like, okay, got it. Oh, yeah. That would have been a great one. And they all... Every time they, somebody new joins their team, they need to have some kind of safe word that only they would be able to, like, say or only they'd be able to know. So if it ever happened that a lunar captured them, which is always or is impersonating them because that's a big deal right now, you know, I don't know. They should have thought that through a little bit more. And, you know, what's interesting is people do that in, in movies and TV shows all the time. There's always, like, a clone or an evil twin or something, and they have to prove that they're the real one by giving away some secret that no one else would know. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking mostly of Pretty Little Liars, where they constantly have twins randomly popping up that are evil. But it doesn't even occur to her to do that here. And that was like one of my first thoughts was like, pr- get proof. You guys are all worried that it's not him. You don't need a camera. You don't need audio. Like, Find out if it's him through another means. It would take like an extra 45 seconds. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. The So you're talking about all of the shows that have like the doppelgangers. Yeah. I'm, the only thing, the only scene similar to this that makes me think is like um, the Overboard movie because she, I don't know oh. if you've ever seen Overboard. Oh, I yeah, love Overboard. Like, so, yeah, I'm thinking of the, re- the newest one. I watched that. Oh, I haven't seen the new one. The new one is so good. I held off on it for a while, but like, uh, who's in it? Anna Ferris. I love her in it. And the guy, the guy they got is so funny. Anyways, overall, it was a great movie. Anyways, but I'm thinking of the scene in it when she's like, she goes to claim him and he has like a speedy Gonzalez tattoo on his like, like waist or like on his butt. <laughs> and she like, he's like, prove it. And she's like, okay, this is what you have. 
I, I don't know. That's the only thing that comes to mind, which I know is a little <laughs> bit different than that, but. No, it's a great one, though, because it's like, I don't know how I would prove to anyone that I'm me because I'm such an open person. Like, I don't have anything that even with like my husband and my sisters, I can't think of anything that would be like a secret that other people wouldn't know. Oh, hmm. now you're making me think if I have anything <laughs> like that. And I, I don't think I do either. I'm just such an open person. Like, I don't have anything that's hidden. So I can't think of a single thing where I would be like, oh, this is me. But other people wouldn't know, especially since I have a podcast. Like, oh, yeah. People could just listen to the podcast. <laughs> I think. I get, Okay. For me, if somebody said, tell me your favorite Taylor Swift song, if somebody named an actual song, you would know it wasn't me because I can't name a song that's my favorite. So. Oh, God, I don't know if I could pick a favorite. Maybe can I do like a favorite per album? Yeah, that might not even work, actually, because Red and Reputation are just like insane. Oh, uh, <laughs> I would say the best written song by her is All Too Well. Lyrically, it's just an absolute masterpiece, but I can't oh, say that oh. it's my favorite because it just breaks my soul every time I listen to it. Okay, see folklore is so recent in my memory because that's the only music I've been playing since <laughs> the um so I have to say like if I'm going with favorites right now um it would be like last great American dynasty because that is oh that sounds so good um or cardigan or Betty Betty's really good I I don't know I think my favorite upon first listen was um the one but my sister and my husband both love Invisible String, so I've been playing that one a lot more, and so now I'm really connected with it because it's such a sweet, 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 sweet song. I'm so looking forward to trying to find chapters that fit some of the folklore songs. It's Invisible String. That's that's the first album I went to for the song titles for this book, and I was like, no, none of them are like action-packed feeling, you know what I mean? Yeah, they don't necessarily work, but they will work later on, I hope. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's really the only thing is that I just feel like there needs to be a way for them to get proof that it's him because camera disabled, we're injured, open doc. That's not Thorne. Nope. <laughs> I don't think that that's how Thorne would react if the camera was disabled and he were injured. It would be more dramatic. I think it would just be like, I don't know. Bitch hurt us. Let me in <laughs> or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, bitch ambushed us. What the hell? Aces would be in there somewhere. I <laughs> For sure. A string of like, Cinder, open the, open the door. Like, string of curse words. Now. <laughs> yeah. And, and I get why Sybil did this, right? She's making it mm -hmm. really simple so that it's, so that it could be Thorn. Oh yeah. Because there's nothing in there that's like a dead giveaway. You know, if she, if she used complete sentences with proper grammar, for example, it'd be like mm -hmm. a huge red flag that that's not Thorn. Oh yeah. The wolf said it's a trap. And then Cinder was like, oh, it might not be. And I just think it's interesting because at the beginning, I know Wolf, like he's been wary about the entire thing. But Wolf did in the beginning say, you don't trust her in terms of like, oh, you don't trust Cress that, you know, she's got this handle. And so I just thought it was interesting that they kind of switched their like, not roles, but they switched what they were saying, what they thought about what was happening. Yeah, because Wolf was trusting of her 
But I think everybody is in Cinder's position where it's like, no, the the teeny tiny girl is trustworthy. The people mm-hmm. who've kept her captive are not. Oh, yeah. And Wolf saying it's a trap is it's like, yep. And, it, and there's a lot of clues that it could be a trap. But I just feel like the main one is that that calm camera disabled. What happened to the yeah. camera? Why is the camera disabled? That just, I don't know. Very suspicious. Oh, you want what makes me so sad? Or so, like, not even sad, just upset. Was that she told everybody to stay behind and nobody <laughs> listened to her. Oh, oh, I know. But you know what? There's so many. There's so many other things in this chapter that she just does not do well, and it's it's just it goes to show us the reader like how woefully unprepared she is. Uh huh. Yeah. Because she's not spent her whole life preparing for this. She's spent her whole life being discriminated against for being a cyborg. Yes. But Cinder, she doesn't want to believe it's a trap because she's too worried about Thorne. So that's why she says, like, look, you guys just chill. I'm going to go see what's going on. And Wolf is like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I love how it says she could tell that he was in fight mode because it just it's further proof how close they all are mm-hmm. and how just I don't, just even though they've spent, you said, like two weeks on the ship. They've really like come to trust each other, and like now, I—it's the bioelectricity has something to do with it, but like she's also just picking up on his body language and how he's acting, and then she also is sensing just everybody around her, and I love that. Yeah, and she even in Cinder's point of view, we get the description of his of why she thinks he's in fight mode. His shoulders hunched near his ears. His hands curled into claws, his stride fast and determined. So she's definitely picking up on body language and she's gotten to understand what his mannerisms are and what they relate to. Mm-hmm. So they, she does get out there. She doesn't wait for Scarlet. She just goes. And Iko says the dock is secure and she can tell that there's um, that there's two life systems on board. Mm-hmm. She also says they need real cameras installed. That would be helpful when you're trying to worry about getting attacked. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Because they can't fool the cameras. So it's very convenient that nobody has cameras. Mm-hmm. It's also very convenient that, like, Thom- the or, uh, the wolf doesn't know how to fly her ship and would need a a, um, a driver. Or what, what do you call it? A flyer? A, I don't know. Pilot? Yes, a pilot. <laughs> I wonder if that's like a, a just a show of her like wealth and privilege oh, that she doesn't have to drive herself. That makes you sense. Know? That she's always had someone to do it for her. You know, like um like how in movies, like the the rich people, they have chauffeurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they know how to drive, oh. but they have chauffeurs that drive them around in limousines. So like maybe it's a similar concept. It's a sign of her status that she doesn't have to fly her ship. There's someone to do it for her. Okay. I don't I don't know why I got the impression that she didn't know how to fly. I feel like it happened just like when she took Scarlet. I thought she she just took Scarlet because she couldn't fly and they had already taken Jason. But I guess that doesn't make sense because she was the one who wanted to anyways, never mind. So I guess she probably can fly. It is possible that she doesn't know how to fly, but I don't think that's the case. I think in this situation she's just too injured. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But we'll have to pay attention later on and see if there's any evidence of her 
being able to fly because I honestly can't remember. I feel like that should be like thing that everybody knows how to fly a ship, especially if you're like on the moon and you're constantly flying back and forth like she is. Yeah, and Cress was even surprised when she escaped and found Jason in the pod because she just assumed Sybil always came alone. She It never occurred to her that Sybil would have a pilot and a guard with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a good point. Cinder decides to go out there. She knows it might be a thaumaturge, but she just can't, she just can't shake it if it is Thorn. She can't leave him. Mm-hmm. So... It turns out her left pointer finger doesn't have any more tranquilizer darts, but she loaded it with welded nails, which seemed, that sounds like it would be pretty effective. Yes. Oh, that just makes me, it makes me uncomfortable to read about, like, just picturing a nail being shot out of somebody's finger at you. Oh. Yeah. And they get another comm that says, help us. Again, this is a clue. I feel like Thorne would be like, Aces, what's taking you guys so long? There's blood everywhere. Oh, yeah. I suppose, in theory, if it's Cress and Thorne, that they think it could be Cress sending all these messages and not Thorne. But still. Okay, for me, it I like just started thinking about it. I was like, how would it have, like, how would it, let's say we were talking, they already figured out it, it had to be, like, a thaumaturge, or it had to be somebody pretty powerful to have that kind of ship. So I just don't understand why they keep thinking, oh, maybe it is Thorn and Cress. How would they have gotten away? Thorn is just a human, and Cress is a five-foot, like, scared-of-her-own-shadow, like, girl. The only thing that Cinder said was that it could be him. He's resourceful, which he's definitely resourceful. He's proven that time and time again. But I don't think it's enough mm-hmm. to be like, yeah, he definitely was able to get away from a thaumaturge. Perhaps that's the injured portion, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, look, we're injured because we got away from the thaumaturge, but not in one piece. We need help. Okay. I'm just playing devil's advocate there. I might be wrong. Oh, that makes sense. And like, what I also am wondering is, so from the last, we ended on the last chapter with them actually falling towards Earth. They felt themselves beginning to fall. So I'm wondering, was that happening when the pod ship, so the pod ship took off. Did the satellite immediately start, immediately start falling? So would ha- would they have noticed, like, let's say Scarlet was watching that satellite, would she have seen it start falling? Or was it a little bit of time, like, in between that, and then nobody just noticed it falling? I would have to say that there was time in between and no one noticed it was falling. I don't entirely, you know, I'm not a scientific person. I don't know a lot about astrophysics, so I'm not sure the rate at which the loss of gravity would cause it to fall. Perhaps it's slow and then a building dissension. Mm-hmm. So it's like, a, cause it's, uh, so like it probably was moving and they probably just didn't realize that. I think they were just too distracted. They yeah. saw the pod ship and they got the message and then their heads turned away from the screen because they were talking to each other like, Oh no, what do we do? Mm-hmm. That's my guess. I don't know. Anybody who knows or understands astrophysics that wants to share theories with me about the rate at which, about the accelerated rate that a satellite would fall out of orbit, I would love to know. But I definitely don't know that kind of stuff. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I don't. I have no idea how to find out that information. Okay, that's something I'll look into then. Yeah, it's definitely something to look into. But in the meantime, they get out there. 
and she sees Thorn covered in blood and completely hunched over, and she immediately lets down her guard and runs to him. She screams Thorn, Thorn. She just, like, goes right for him. She doesn't even think. She doesn't take one second to be like, hey, are you really you? Are you alive? Like, she just goes into rescue mode. Mm -hmm. And even if it had been Thorn, what if it was Thorn and the Thaumatosh? Like, what if, let's say, the woman just brought Thorn with and he was injured, there still could have been somebody behind her or, like, just sneaking up on her or something like that. Ugh. I wonder if the situation were reversed, if Thorn would have had the same reaction. If he saw Cinder like that, would he have just ran straight towards her or would he have a moment of hesitation? Hmm. I, I mean, I don't even know because he, even, even a moment of hesitation with Thorn, it still wouldn't have done anything because he doesn't, there is, he still wouldn't, like after a moment, he still wouldn't be able to clear his mind. To see if it, to realize, I don't, does that make sense? Like Cinder, if she had waited a moment, she would have seen the orange light or it would have been fine. Yeah. So I don't even know if Thorne was on there. Yeah, that's a good point. Thorne has no way of knowing if, if that was or was not a glamour and Cinder yeah. does. And Cinder should have waited for her glamour detector because it does go off like two seconds later. Yeah. And then Thorn, or what she thinks looks like Thorn, just like turns around and grabs her neck. Because mm. it turns out it's not Thorn. It's a guard. But not just any guard. The same guard that held her hostage at the ball. And then Sybil just starts laughing. Oh. That, oh, that gives me chills. Yeah. Because she expected more from the galaxy's most wanted. I mean, I love Cinder, but she did fall for that, like, really quickly. Uh-huh. Like, we we as the reader know that she hesitated a little bit when she was discussing it with Wolf and Scarlet. But, like, she let down her guard so fast. Mm-hmm. I love the line, the thermometer smiled, like, look, lo- looking like a hungry cat with a new toy. Because mm. that's such great imagery, or was it metaphor? Imagery? It was one of them. Both. Yeah. So that's just so interesting. I don't like picturing Sybil because I always picture her as a smaller person, but she just is so imposing with her presence. She is. And you know what's great too with that kind of imagery is that's exactly what Sybil is. She's always hungry for the action for the fight, you know, Mm -hmm. for that sort of um, negatively charged interaction with other people. And given the opportunity, she's always going to go right in for it. And this is exactly it's Cinder's playing into her hands the way that she hoped she would. And perhaps even from Sybil's perspective, she really did expect it to be more difficult. Like maybe in her own planning, she she had it in her head like, okay, well, I'll try to glamour her and make her think her friend is injured. But if that doesn't work, maybe I'll do this or maybe I'll do this. And then it's like, nope, Cinder just walks right in and is like, yep, glamour me all you want. Like, so maybe she was expecting more of a difficulty or more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. I, it's interesting that just they either underestimate her or they just overestimate her. Like in this moment, she's just because I bet she did. She's like. Oh, I think, don't they still think that she knew who she was? 
at the ball. Like she knew she was Princess Selene at the ball and was there specifically. Um, so I think at this point they realize, oh wait, no, she didn't like not at all. And then they start underestimating her for the rest of the series and they think, oh, she's not going to do anything. And then she shows up. <laughs> well, and I think also they have every reason to underestimate her because when they first got to that scene at the ball, they were like, oh, she's just a shell. Mm-hmm. But she proved herself to not be a shell. And what's interesting is that what Cress revealed to us a couple chapters ago is that Sybil still likes to pretend that she's a shell. Mm-hmm. To keep up the pretense that she's a shell because they don't want to admit that she might be something more significant than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Wolf jumps into action. He attacks Sybil, cuts her off, and unfortunately, Cinder doesn't actually have control of him. He's just attacking to attack in defense of Cinder. So Sybil gets control of him pretty quickly. Yeah. I I wish... I feel like Cinder should have known that they were not going to stay hidden. They were they weren't going to just stay up there and let her figure it out. So if they had just gone down with like the plan of Wolf, you'll be like off to the side, and like when I need help, I'm going to I'm going to put my mind or I'm going to take over. That way, she can't control you. You know, I feel like if she had just thought about it just a little bit more, it would have gone back so smoothly. Yeah, and I think also if they had thought about it a little more, maybe they would have had Wolf go in and not Cinder. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, he could have gone in first mm-hmm. and perhaps, um, I don't know, already have been under Cinder's control and he could have assessed the situation for her because Wolf probably would have hesitated even seeing a bloody thorn mm-hmm. just because of all his training. So... Now, Bloody Scarlet, maybe not, but he doesn't have as much of a connection or care about for Thorn. Yeah. And then, yeah. So we get, oh, she goes, she slips into Wolf's mind, which I just thought it was pretty interesting that she struggles with Wolf. I would think that the head thaumatage or like one of the head ones, they would all still have a pretty strong like ability with especially these people that they've created. I don't know. I just, it was interesting to see how weak she actually is. Oh, I loved it. I loved that there was that reveal that she has just as much trouble controlling Wolf as Cinder does because it goes to show that Cinder is not as incapable Mm -hmm. as she might think she is because even Sybil, the head thaumaturge to the queen, is having trouble. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is why when Scarlet shows up with a gun, it's really bad because uh, she's not going to have any trouble controlling her. Uh, when Scarlet shows up, I oh Scar, I get why Wolf showed up a little bit. I don't understand why Scarlet was like, "Hey, I've got a gun. Let's go in there. Let's go down there." Perhaps because she did that when they were in Paris and it worked out. Ah, uh, yes, I guess you know because she because she showed up when they came when they were in Paris trying to get away. She came out of the ramp with a gun and shot Jael in the thigh and was like, nope, we're going to take out the Kessley. Peace out, bro. And it worked just fine. So maybe she's remembering that and she's like, I'm just going to go shoot these bitches up. I'm tired of this. Get off my boyfriend. Leave my friend alone. We don't want to deal with you. See, I relate to Scarlet so much because (laughs) you just think you have so much power or you think 
you want to know what all these people are playing around? I'm just going to go in there and show them what's what. I'm going to do it. And then <laughs> you get there, you're like, I, oh my gosh. I feel like I'm the type of person in a crisis, I just react to what's in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily assess the entire situation as a whole. And I think that for a crew, you need both types of people for it to be advantageous. Yes, for sure. And I feel like Thorne is that person. Thorne is the type of person who's going to assess the situation. We saw that multiple times when they were in Paris. So I don't know. I feel like Thorne is the type of person that would assess the situation. And Cinder is the person that reacts. And maybe the two of them balance each other out. And right now, Wolf reacted to Cinder. He's like, oh, no, Cinder's in trouble. Scarlet reacted to Wolf because that's her mm-hmm. her alpha, her mate or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so she wants to protect him. And there's nobody to take a look at the the big picture. For sure. And I think I like the characterizations because they all kind of have both sides to them. Because Wolf, Wolf was like cautious you know in the beginning and then you get to the side where he switches and then it's he's doing everything based on like how he's feeling or what he thinks is he needs to do and then same with like scarlet like and even cinder you can i can see her being the one who would be like oh no i have to think this through and this entire chapter she's thinking things through and she's just she has to act quickly and she can't make her mind process what's going on fast enough but then also she's the one who's jumping right in and trusting everything that she sees or everything that she that she's feeling you know i think this is the type of situation where people who play uh video games would have a really good uh upper hand oh yeah because because they're used to strategizing and and you know problem solving and those like role playings i'm thinking of all the games my husband plays like like World of Warcraft and and StarCraft and Diablo and all that stuff where you have to be you have to pay attention to enemies coming at you from all corners all the time. I feel like that would prepare you really well for for hand-to-hand situations like this. Mm-hmm. But Cinder is a mechanic, Scarlet is a farmer, like they're not prepared for stuff like this. And although Wolf is, they're not tapping into him right now because Sybil is the one that has control of him. Mhm. Oh. Um, when they so when they talk about Cinder um, trying to reach out for Wolf's energy and it's like feral and it's like um, I I forget the word she described and I can't find it but though I it's interesting how when she's taking control of him she doesn't make him more of an animal she makes him more of like a fighter if that makes sense whereas these the thaumaturgs just tap into the animal animal part of him and make him even more animalistic yes because Sybil it seems to be is like tapping into those those animal instincts kind of the way that Jael always talked about where when they were in Paris there was that obsession of like kill and destroy and wolf could have trouble overcoming it. I, I agree. I think it's really interesting um, when he's being controlled by Sybil. Sybil is is reaching into those instincts of the animal where it's feral and in and in attack mode. And when Cinder is doing it, it's in uh, protect mode, like defense. Yeah, for sure. So. The guard shoots Wolf and Cinder shoots the guard and Sybil 
they're all basically fighting. I mean, we could talk about every little thing, but basically they're fighting. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh my gosh. Keeping track of Yeah, like that's why I take notes because otherwise I think if I didn't take notes and we tried to talk about this, I'd be like, wait, who shot who at what point exactly? Oh yeah. Because it just goes back and forth so much. But randomly, the guard shoots Sybil and claims that Cinder is controlling him, but she's not. Yeah. I picture that scene so (laughs) dramatic. Like, I picture it looking so, like, oh, my gosh. she She's making me do it. And, like, he's just, like, overacting. And I just think that's so funny. I picture it as, like, him. he's, like, leaning on the ground, just, like, barely holding the gun up. I don't know. It's just so interesting. I want to know why. Yes. Especially since the only other thing we've heard out of his mouth is, I don't suppose you killed her. It's like, whose side is this guy on? Uh Uh-huh. It's just interesting from the perspective of, like, we don't actually know why he did it. And Cinder is just like, uh, what just happened? Cinder's Mm -hmm. lie detector flickered unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. She was doing no such thing. Although, had she thought of it before, (laughs) so she should have been doing that. (laughs) So the guard runs back to the thaumaturge. Sybil throws Wolf at the guard and then loses control. Cinder... Controls Wolf, carries him into the corridor. She tells Aiko, she says, okay, when they're all safe, when we're all inside, then you can open the hatch. Hoping that Sybil and her guard will just get, like, sucked into the unknown out of space. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really work out that way. Mm-hmm. Because Scarlet jumps in the way of her trying to shoot Sybil. Cinder grabs Scarlet. Mm-hmm. And tells Aiko, open the hatch. And then she sees blue jeans and tennis shoes. She was glamored into saving the guard, not Scarlet. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, this is exact part. The reveal of that is so stressful. I I started tearing up and I don't even know why. <laughs> Literally when um it says Cinder shoved Scarlet's body away with a scream. I was like Oh my gosh. Like I can only just picture it because it's it feels like I we know it's not her fault, but if you just put yourself in those shoes and you're just thinking, I grabbed the wrong person and I told them to open that hatch. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And like I can just picture her like clawing at the doors, trying to get it to open up, and I just like, ugh. She says, I go stop. We need to get Scarlet back. But before they can do that, Sybil takes the pod ship and Scarlet, and they leave. That last line of the chapter is so dramatic. The thaumaturge had survived, and she'd taken Scarlet with her. Oh my gosh. Like, so many things went wrong with this rescue mission, y'all. Oh, and okay, I was comparing that ending to the last chapter ending, which was the satellite was falling towards Earth. And I was just like, Marissa Meyer, what are you doing? How can you stop? It's so hard. Exactly. And how can you end so many chapters with a cliffhanger? Like, she is setting up so much in these first chapters. And it's, oh my gosh. We're only 100 pages into the book. We're in chapter 10. So it's like, if this is how the rest of the book is, like, that's just such good writing. Good job, Marissa. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 
And I love how it's like, this is these two chapters are where they branch off and where it's like, or well, yeah, where everybody has to go their separate way now because now you you get to branch off into Thorn and Cress. So you're constantly trying to find those chapters, but then you're jumping back and forth to like the cinder and the uh, wolf and all that. And jump, you're jumping around and you want to read everything, but you kind of just want to stay in one perspective, read all of that, and then jump to the next one and then read all of that. And it's, oh. And that's what makes these books so good because, yeah. like you said, now we're separated. Thorn is mm-hmm. with Cress, Scarlet is with Sybil, and Cinder and Wolf are with the guard. Yeah. And now we have to find out how these next three groups these next three stories play out yes and then i just it's so crazy to think about how in cinder we started off with one perspective and then we kind of got kai a little bit and now we're into like we have five or six right and then we also so we have like cinder Kai, thorn cress all of them we've had a lot of perspectives so we've had we've had kai and Cinder, we had Lavana mm-hmm. at one point. We had Dr. Erland, Scarlet, Wolf, Thorn, Cress. Yeah. But I mean, that's already eight people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I know Becca always talks about like, well, the Babysitter's Club does that, but the Babysitter's Club books are like 120 pages. Oh, for sure, though. No. And there's not nearly as much plot going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. It's just a lot to keep mm-hmm. track of. Like, that's why I have my notebook. Because <laughs> I I would struggle very much. So that's the end of chapter 10. I had quite a few songs that I chose. And you also chose two songs. So let's take a few minutes and talk about our, our song titles for chapter 10. Oh, yeah. Um. So I, so like I said earlier, I literally just pulled up my Taylor Swift, like, list of songs and I started going through them because they are my go-to um but I couldn't find one that was like the intensity that this chapter is and also like the emotional depth that it is so I decided to do kind of both so I had the archer by Taylor Swift as like the emotional depth because archer is all about um both two two sides of one person and it's basically about you know her being the the archer and her also being the prey. And I felt like all, a lot of these characters are having to go through the same thing, um, either physically, you know, with Wolf being both, like, the person who's meant to protect the team and then also being taken over, same with Scarlet, and, you know, and then Cinder's in there, and she's the one they're all turning to, and she's just, she doesn't know what she's doing. She really, you know, just feels like, I don't know. It felt it feels very like stressful, and I don't I don't know how else to explain it. But so that's why I chose the Archer. And then uh, anybody have a map from Dear Evan Hansen? If anybody's listened to the musical, I know we kind of talked about it, and you brought you had sent me that like clip of the four uh, mothers, and that is the exact clip I was thinking of. Yes, it's so great. Their harmony is like. I love their harmony in that clip. It's amazing. I absolutely, I love how stressful that song is because you have, it's it's two people on stage, but then you in that clip, it's four different voices all coming together to sing the same song, but it's just slightly off. 
and it just feels like everybody's kind of not they're not screaming but they're like just talking really fast and they're they have no clue what they're doing which is a lyric of the song and that is cinder that is everybody is turning to her yelling at her going what do we do you should you should have a handle on this you should know what we're doing right and she's like i know i should but i don't and i need time to think about this but she doesn't have that time and it's just i don't know i think also with cinder she's just like how the hell should i know yes yes and i love that She's not prepared for this. Nobody prepared her for this. A month ago, her biggest concern was that Audrey was going to find out she took money for a new foot. Oh, I mean, yeah. She's in a hole. She's like way out of her element here. Oh, yeah. I. It just, oh, that just makes me so stressful. And I can only imagine the, like, the trauma she is going through. Like, if, like, the only reason where I'm not, like, constantly, like, the only reason I her story doesn't make me cry is because it's set in the future and like she's also fictional. Otherwise, like if this was like a real person having to deal with all of the stress, I would just be so like sad. It's sad, but it's also like it's one of the things that keeps us interested and in, in, yeah. invested. I should say it keeps us invested in the characters and their story arcs. Yeah, and seeing her grow. Yeah. From, you know, from the scene, which is so crazy. And she's like, she doesn't know what to do. And then you get to the point in the story when she does. That's just so great to see. It is. Yeah. So my songs, I have three songs. (laughs) I struggled with trying to narrow it down. And then I was like, eh, that's what Patreon is for. I'll just pick all three and then people can vote. So the first one is Get It Right from Glee. Because... That's Cinder. She's struggling to get it right. Every time Mm -hmm. she thinks she's got a handle on the situation, another curveball comes in and she's just she's just repeatedly trying to fix her mistakes. Also chose She by Selena Gomez. Some of the lyrics that I that stood out to me is she was a girl with good intentions, but she made some bad decisions. Now she's learning some of her lessons. Mm -hmm. That's like a paraphrase, I guess. But I, I just thought of how. That's kind of what Cinder's going through right now. Like she has good intentions, but she's struggling to find the right path. Mm-hmm. And then the last one was Put a Spell on You by Annie Lennox. Because Sybil definitely tricked her pretty easily. Oh, yeah. Um, when you sent me those songs, I had I went through it and I listened to all of them. And I really... Um, they all made total sense. I was like, oh my gosh, these are good songs. I These are added to my playlist now because they're so good. <laughs> um, she is from Selena Gomez's new album, Rare, yes. which, God, that's an incredible album. I, I like Selena Gomez. I've always liked Selena Gomez, but listening to that album, I'm like, oh, she has a lot more to offer than what we've oh, yeah. seen from her before. I have not listened to the entire thing it is literally been like saved to my Spotify library It has been saved on YouTube. I have it literally everywhere. So all I need to do is just listen to it. But I haven't gotten to it yet. So but I ended up listening to a couple songs actually last night when I was listening to she and I listened to that to uh, I watched the music video for boyfriend, which I thought was so funny with the frog. It's so cute. Yes. Anyway, but um, back to the Glee song. I was listening to it and I was like, this chapter is so insane. It has so much action. And just hearing that song, 
it was like it was calming but it was also like yes this is exactly where cinder's at right now and it's it even i don't know like i expected like i said i was looking for something really fast paced but that song really like i don't know it slowed down the chapter for me and it really made me think about you know cinder it's also kind of a reflectionary song for the chapter because it's Mm -hmm. The lyrics are, what can you do when your good isn't good enough and all that you touch tumbles down? My best intentions keep making a, a mess of things. I just want to fix it somehow. So it's sort of like maybe not how Cinder's feeling in the chapter or during the chapter, uh, but it's how I feel mm-hmm. after reading the chapter. You know, I feel that way after reading the chapter. I'm like, man, this, you know, it's not working out, obviously, right? Because we need plot devices because we need this story to keep going and be compelling. But mm-hmm. it's really not working out the way that Cinder planned it to. Mm-hmm. And every time she tries to get a grasp on the situation, every time she tries to to move forward and, and progress, there's another obstacle. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And that just like this is so far above like real life. It's so, you know, it's fantasy and it's just in the future. But it's so it relates so much to what we're having to deal with now on just a bigger scale. And, you know, just all of the options we have, especially during COVID, where we're all kind of stressed out, and we don't really know what we're doing. And so I don't know, this book is very, it's relatable, which is weird, because it's about a cyborg in space. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Becca mentioned that uh, when she and I discussed chapter eight, I think, she was saying like, it's incredible how relatable the characters are, because she was, she was relating really heavily to Cress. Mm-hmm. But she described it, but the way that she described it, it was like, but none of that sounds relatable when you say it out loud. Because oh, yeah. it's like, you don't know what it's like to be a captive shell in a satellite orbiting or Earth desperate for interaction. But you know what it's like to be lonely. You know what it's like to feel desperate for for companionship and friendship and love and and. So it's we're able to relate to these characters on such a, a human level that mm-hmm. the parts that aren't relatable are just just the the moving parts. Oh yeah. And I Marissa Meyer does it so well where she never has to slow down the story to let us know how these characters are feeling. And you can just you, it's literally you sense a growth because of all those tiny little things they have. Like Cinder even though it's never outright set, stated, you know, Cinder has no clue what she's doing, like she doesn't know what's going on, you still get that sense with how her inner monologue or her inner like feelings are, and you get to see that change, but there's no concrete like, oh, here she's this way, and then in this in like two chapters later, she's like getting better, and then so I really like that, yeah, it's a way of showing and not telling, yeah, yeah, and I like the way that she does that too because. Uh, I think I mentioned it many, many moons ago when we were still discussing Cinder, the book, but she doesn't say a lot of descriptive words. She says, like, Wolf said, she answered, I replied. But if you read other books, you see a lot of, like, she said angrily or he shouted furiously or she Mm -hmm. was, you know, or something like that. And they use descriptive words, which is still great writing, but I like when authors find a way to show you without without telling Mm -hmm. you yeah and then if they're able to do it well enough you don't need it to be it can still be uh 
she said, but you know in your head said could mean also she was saying it like you she was saying it with that emotion, you know, like you feel that. It doesn't necessarily need to say she said sarcastically for us to know that there's attitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So what was your chapter quote for chapter 10? Oh, okay. So my chapter quote was, A curdled scream echoed through the corridor, and Cinder almost didn't realize it was hers. And that one, that just makes me so, like, I don't, that was like the, I don't know, what do you call it? Like the peak? The peak of, like, stress that I was at? Because the door had just closed. She couldn't get it open. She was watching Scarlet be dragged away. She saw that Sobel was still... Did she see that she was still alive? But, like, it just was a sense of hopelessness and loss. And she has to turn around. And she has to tell the entire group, including Wolf, that she grabbed the wrong person. I'm so terrified of when she has to tell Wolf that she lost Scarlet. Oh, my gosh. Because he is just, like, you just know he's going to be inconsolable. Uh Uh-huh. And and what's going to happen to Scarlet? She's Sybil's, like, prisoner. And where is Sybil going? We assume back to the moon, right? What are they going to do with Scarlet? Like, and... This is where if this is where I said like this chapter sort of needed its own episode, even though it could have been clumped together with something else, because there are so many moving parts to what's going mm-hmm. on. Because simultaneously to all of this happening, Thorn and Cress are also tied up in a satellite that just fell out of orbit and is crashing to Earth. Mm-hmm. And okay, we haven't seen Kai since the last book, but we know that he's going through some because he's about to marry Lavana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we haven't seen Dr. Erland in a while either, but we know that we just had that chapter with him where he came across the the plague victim mm-hmm. that was lunar on Earth. So, I mean, there's just so much going on. Yes. I think, honestly, these every character in these last two chapters has just had their entire world shattered. Like, two pieces. Like, Jason... Did not plan to be on going rogue with Cinder and uh, Thorn, like, or with Cinder and Wolf now. And then Wolf, like, is literally in shattered in pieces, both emotionally and he's been shot. And then you have Scarlet being dragged away. Yeah. Uh, you have Cinder just a mess and now even more, like, mentally messed up because she just, she had to uh, decide whether she was going to. Uh, kill wolf like there is that decision in the chapter do i kill wolf and get him out of the way or do i keep him alive and possibly like put us all at risk stuff yeah. and so she's like mo- mentally drained and then of course thorn and crest are literally falling to earth so it's just it's insane oh and then thorn no what's also interesting about what you just said is we didn't even we should have talked about that more there is that moment it's on page 100 where Cinder battles with what to do. Mm-hmm. She could try to get control of Wolf. She could wait and see if Sybil releases Wolf for just a second, and then she can control him again. Unless she killed Wolf and removed him from the equation entirely. It occurred to her. That's that's her, her strategizing. It occurred to her that she could kill her friend. She doesn't want to. 
but it did, the thought did pop into her head. Oh, yeah. So my quote was from page 94. They both looked at Cinder and she realized with a jolt that they expected her to take charge. I just love Cinder is still like blissfully unaware. Maybe not blissfully. Cinder is still the reluctant leader. Here is another situation where they're like, hey, what do we do? And she's like, what the fuck? I never said I was in charge. Like, why do I have to decide this? Oh, yeah. Yes. And comedically in my head, when that line is read, I picture just all eyes turning towards her and then her just <laughs> looking behind her to see nobody there and be like, oh, wait, me? That's a great way of looking at it. I'm just like, you guys aren't talking about me, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there someone behind me? Is there an adult behind me who knows what to do? Yes, because she's only 16. And that's what's like insane is that Scarlet is 18. Wolf is how, I don't, how, however old Wolf is. He's like 21, I feel like, or older. Anyways, they're all older than her. And yet she's the one who has to make all these decisions. And the only reason she has to make these decisions is because she was born a princess, which is just like a, a mm-hmm. happenstance in the world. You know, she's not prepared for this oh, yeah. in the slightest. Like even with Kai, Kai has... Khan. Kai has Torin and leans on him pretty heavily as he should, but Kai was also Mm -hmm. raised to be an emperor. He has been preparing for that every second of his life since birth. Cinder was raised to be a mechanic. Her biggest dream in life was getting out of New Beijing, getting away from Audrey and being her own independent person. Yes, I like I like that uh, Cinder and Bo- Cinder and Kai have two very different stories, and they're both royalty. And uh, you get to see, oh, Kai had to go through all these meetings and had to do all this, and then Cinder just shows up, and then she's expected to take over in the same capacity that uh, Kai is supposed to take over, even though he's the one that, as you were saying, was prepared for it. And despite the fact that he was prepared for it his whole life, he's still sort of stumbling through and finding his footing oh yeah so we have a lot to we have a lot to to look forward to in the rest of this uh this book and in the series because this is a pretty dramatic end to the chapter yeah oh my gosh yeah so this week there was one easter egg but there might be more if you if you notice more message me and i'll correct it but i really only saw the one that was an actual easter egg And there were no bonus words. Next week, it will be chapters 11 and 12. Lena, do you want to tell anybody where they can find you on social media if they want to go follow you? Um, I mean, I have an Instagram. You can follow me at Wendy's Cardigan. uh, Taylor Swift reference, obviously. Um, And it's a graphic editing account. So if you want to see that or if you want to watch or check out, uh, follow me for my story where I just... I'm just posting about the books I'm reading and the movies I'm watching. So either way, you can follow me there. And I love all the little edits you post on your page too. Because every time I see them, they make me smile. I look at the pictures and I try to see all the elements that I know are going to make me happy. See, I am trying. I have been trying to figure out how I want to edit the series. Because I'm thinking, I my original thought was I could use like a fan cast and you edit like, you know, like like I was saying, Emily Blunt, if I want her to be like uh, Sybil, like I could edit her. But I feel like that might get confusing. So I still am figuring it out. But yeah, 
I suppose you could find you could find your favorite fan art maybe and then ask the artist if you could include it. I don't know. That's a hard decision to make without having actual imagery to go off of. That's why I'm waiting for that TV series announcement. <laughs> I want that TV series. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be so excited when that comes out. I swear Marissa needs to get... No, not Marissa, because she's already sold the rights, like, how many times? The TV series people need to get on it. Yeah, they do. We're impatient. We've been impatiently waiting for several years, and we're about done. For sure. I'm so excited. Anyway. So thank you for coming on. I hope you enjoyed getting to be a guest on here. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. This was literally so fun. I'm so glad because that was my hope. (laughs) They said it would be fun for everybody to come and do. I love, honestly, I love just talking about this book because it's, oh, her writing is literally an inspiration. So getting to talk about it for an hour and a half has been so nice. Well, hopefully, there's only like 20 Patreon members, so maybe maybe you'll come back after I go through everybody and just start rotating everybody back in as like a cycle. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. So if you want to be a guest with me on an episode for a chapter discussion or be a guest for a bonus episode like the one Lena and I are going to do, you can join Patreon. Uh, If you want to listen to the bonus episode that Lena and I are going to do on Pride and Prejudice or other fun bonus episodes like Ashley and I did one on Shrek, which was so much fun, you can check that out on Patreon, princekaifanpod.com slash Patreon. Remember, you can join for only $1 a month and the first fiscal month is free, which hopefully makes it super fun because then you get to like test it out. And until next time... Don't get glamoured, I guess. I guess we're at the end now. So, yeah. Don't get (laughs) glamoured. Thank you for being here. This was so much fun. Thank you. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today were from Cress by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Patreon member Lena Darling. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening. You are getting sleepy, very sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. Right, my darling? Yes, dear. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. You will not dislodge the hose and blast air all about the bedroom. You will not wake me, your loving husband, who yearns for even a single night of uninterrupted slumber, please. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. Inspire treats the root cause of sleep apnea inside your body. While you sleep, Inspire keeps your airway clear so you can breathe normally and rest comfortably. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com to learn more. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.